Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In a moment of madness, I was, I was, do I ask the pilot to fly north? Do I ask him to fly north? For nearly three years, Dublin businessman Richard O'Halloran was blocked from leaving China. Last month on his flight home, he still couldn't relax. On the plane, okay, this is happening. Still waiting for him. After looking over his shoulder for so long and previous unsuccessful attempts to leave the country, he nervously tracked the plane on his in-flight monitor until it left Chinese airspace. Going back over Chinese airspace, of course, the back of my mind was like, will they ground this plane? Have they had a change of mind? Or, you know, we've one last chance to stop this guy. We know the flight he's on. If he comes over Chinese airspace, this is our last chance. Ever. O'Halloran had been trapped in China since February 2019, after he'd flown over to handle a dispute between his employer and the Chinese authorities. Now he was finally on his way home to his wife Tara and their four children. It was just horrendous three years, but we kind of feel like we've been given a second chance now that he's back. But now that Richard is home, the O'Hallorans are questioning whether more could have been done to help him. We had to fight very hard for three years to get any sort of intervention. And I, I just don't want anyone ever to have to go through that again. This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Jennifer Ryan, standing in for Sirica and Connor. Today, our reporter Simon Carswell talks to the O'Hallorans about their three-year fight for freedom. Simon, you've reported in the Irish Times on Richard O'Halloran's detention in China for over a year now. And last weekend, you visited Richard and his wife Tara in their Dublin home. How are they doing now? They're doing well. They're happy and relieved, but also reflective and emotional. Um, I think Richard is emotional because he's returning to his family after almost three years apart. And he's missed a lot of his children's lives. Um, he's also reflective on what happened to him, uh, what he experienced, and also could anything have been done differently to get him home sooner? Um, I think during our interview, there was a sense that he was decompressing, uh, which is understandable given what he'd been through. Being back with Tara yeah. is is the key. That's and you know having the kids, this morning doing the school run, and just the hustle and bustle of noise in your own home, not living in a hotel. Little things. Yeah. Yeah. Just just the morning, even emptying the dishwasher. <laughs> Seriously. 
Fair enough, absolutely. You know, it's 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 an odd thing to say, but long 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 yeah, yeah, long may last. It'll wear off soon enough. <laughs> Three years is a long time in anyone's life. But as you mentioned, for someone who has four young children, that's a lot of their lives to miss. Did you get a sense of that from Richard when you spoke to him? Absolutely. He spoke about missing countless birthdays, holidays, communions, confirmations uh, and other family occasions. And also he missed out on you know, tragedies in the, in the family uh, with the death of Tara's mother and also the fact that his children had grown up while he was away. His children are 15, 12, 10 and 8 now so he's missed a lot of their lives. And when your kids are that small, three years is huge, isn't it? I mean, like your son even seeing the photos that we first took two years ago. Yeah. I mean, he's a young man now. now, I looked at a photograph, he was up to, not even up to my chin. Yeah. When I, that photograph, that was the 26th of December 2018. That was pretty much the same height as me. Yeah. I got a real fright when I saw him at the airport. So if we go back to February 2019, this is when Richard O'Halloran's ordeal began. He voluntarily travelled to Shanghai to meet investors and he was there to try and resolve a row over a crowdfunding investment at the aircraft leasing company he works for in Ireland. But when he went to leave China, he was blocked. Why did that happen? Well, it all centres around something that predates his involvement with the company. This is a company called Cal's Ireland. It's based in Dublin, but it was owned. uh, And the chairman of the company was a Chinese national. And Richard went to China in February 2019 to get a mandate from the Chinese investors. Money had been raised by the chairman of the company from those investors before Richard joined the company. And that money, millions of, of euro, had been used to buy an Airbus aircraft, which was leased out. The aircraft leasing industry is huge in Ireland. So Richard went over to speak to investors and find out what they wanted to do with the plane. Now, crowdfunding itself, it was unregulated in China, but not illegal. But the Chinese cracked down on it after the chairman of the company raised this money. So Cal's Ireland had to find out uh, through Richard what the investors wanted to do. So he voluntarily travelled to China to find out what they wanted to do. And he was the legally accountable director, as the Chinese saw it. And he needed to find out what they wanted to do with the asset. And so he went and met them in February uh, 2019. But because uh, the Chinese had cracked down on this investment scheme and had arrested the chairman of the company, Richard was detained from leaving because uh, they wanted to get more information and really to get the recovery of the plane back. And so he was really caught up in that legal mess between the chairman of the company and the Chinese authorities. And as we've mentioned, his detention ended up lasting three years. And during that time, he was led to believe that he could leave a number of times, but was blocked from doing so each time he tried. Why did the authorities keep extending his detention? Well, it all centred on the plane. They were really after the plane or the money. The investors rode in the region of about 30 million euro and the plane hadn't been returned. So you had all these legal proceedings that had gone on with the chairman of the company. And Richard was caught up in what was called the enforcement stage, which was the repatriation of the asset. The Chinese authorities wanted to get the asset back. What I had told the police in March 2019, I will go home to Ireland and we will pay you money from what we can but we must run the company. You need an active company for this whole thing to function. And we'll send money back. Mm. And then we'll send you the airplane. Simple. So why did it take them three years to accept that? There was a live court case. Mm. So they wanted to prosecute your man. They wanted me there for that. So they, I had to uh, appear live in Chinese court. 
He was never accused of any wrongdoing. He was never charged with any crime. And in fact, he was a witness and a very cooperative witness in the Chinese prosecution case against the chairman of the company, Min Jiadong. Uh, but they, it came down to the plane. The Chinese wanted the plane back or the money back. And that's what caught Richard up in this. And that's what prevented him from leaving for so long. They were worried that I would go back to Ireland and not perform. Mm. And the way China works is if I go back and, and don't perform and whoever lets me go back, they're responsible. Right. They go to jail or they are whatever. It's China. In the interview with Richard, he mentioned that those people who were questioning him were worried about being the one who was responsible mm. for letting him return to Ireland. So that complicated things from their side of things. Nobody wanted to be responsible for letting this case drop, I suppose. That's an example of uh, the, the cultural differences between, corporate cultural differences between China and Ireland, where the judge in charge of the enforcement process, the judge overseeing the repatriation of this asset, if he made the wrong decision and allowed Richard to go and then something happened that the plane wasn't repatriated or the money wasn't repatriated, then that judge would be responsible for this and he could find himself in trouble. So that's really the reason that Richard was caught up in all this. I had to explain aircraft leasing. Uh, I had to explain, obviously, the structure of the deal, why it was structured in that particular way. Richard was making it very clear to the Chinese, there is corporate law and responsibilities that I have as a director of the Irish company. I cannot just hand over a plane or money. And I remember sitting one particular time and the judge saying, well, we want this done, we want it that way. And, we, and I said, okay, so you've obviously gone and spoken to somebody. You've obviously taken their advice. I hope you haven't paid for it because this is the worst advice I've ever heard in my life. This plane was purchased. It's, it's a very significant asset. Uh, it's a very costly asset. It's been leased to a Finnish airline and that there's a bank loan on it. And I can't do anything until that lease agreement ends and the bank is repaid. And then I would be in a position to return the plane to the investors. The Chinese didn't get this for a long, long time. Richard really had to make that case over a long, long time that, that, that really his hands were tied. There was nothing he could do in this. And so this continued and continued. And by the second half of 2020, and that's more than a year after he was first detained, nothing was resolved in this. Richard O'Halloran found himself stuck in, as you say, endless court hearings, but he was never accused of any crime. In your interview with him, he spoke about very dark moments and the huge stress and anxiety that he endured as a result. This culminated in him being hospitalised in August 2020. What did he tell you about that time? Well, he describes that time as the lowest time in, during his detention in China. It was a very dark period for him. He spoke about the stress and anxiety mounting. Sleep deprivation, not easy. I went from 95 plus kilos to 75 yeah. I think um, that's what it was. Was he not sleeping, not eating? No, of course. I mean, I think the days were blowing into the nights. He wasn't, you know, his body just gave in. And at one point his health deteriorated so, so much that he was rushed to hospital uh, where he collapsed and he, 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 was, he was unconscious for two days. I remember going in the door of the hospital and then I remember waking up two days later. That was a very difficult time for him. It's a very difficult thing for him to talk about, remembering where he was at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's when I became quite vocal with the media. Yeah. Richard had asked me not to do media up until then, but like I, I just felt like he was going to die over there, and I, nothing I was, was being done. I genuinely thought that I had nothing here helping, nothing, no support from the Irish government. 
it was just lip service uh, that Tara was getting. It's been so unwell that there were times, there was two occasions when I texted Simon Coveney and I said, someone needs to go to his apartment. We mm. haven't spoken for a week. He could be dead. Like, I need somebody to actually tell me that he, he's still alive. So somebody from the consulate went and knocked on his door and either got a response or something and I got a text back from Simon Coveney saying he's pretty much alive. Like, that was as good as it got. I mean, it was that desperation that I was saying you cannot leave him. Where were the Irish government and the Department of Foreign Affairs when all of this was happening? Do we know how much they were doing behind the scenes and at what stage over the three years they got involved in the campaign to get Richard home? Well, we know that the government and the Department of Foreign Affairs had been working on this case over the years. Now, they say that they were working on it at all stages. The Department of Foreign Affairs says there's very intensive, extensive engagement on the case at the most senior political and diplomatic levels. And we do know that there was contact between the highest levels of the Irish government and the highest levels of the Chinese government. For example, uh, Simon Coveney, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, uh, met, travelled to China and met with his counterpart last summer. Uh, And also President Michael D. Higgins wrote to his uh, counterpart in China. China, President Xi. So there were efforts being made uh, to uh, to press the case, uh, but I think the O'Hallorans felt that more could have been done certainly earlier on. There was never a statement of protest about, you know, there was never any senior person outright saying that we condemn this, that, you know, he's being held against as well. It was just we're assisting the family. Tara and Richard spoke to you about the quiet diplomacy that the Irish diplomats and Minister for Foreign Affairs Simon Coveney deployed in dealing with the case. What did they have to say to you about that? Well, they weren't particularly happy when they were when Richard was told earlier on that this was a commercial and legal matter and it was really up to them to, to resolve themselves. The government couldn't step in uh, into a court process in a foreign country. The O'Hallorans feel that Simon Coveney was badly advised early on that he didn't get more actively involved because, as they claim, There was a view expressed to the minister at some point that there was perhaps something untoward about Richard's involvement in this crowdfunding scheme. And there was this comment, no smoke without fire. And they feel that that maybe uh, deterred Simon Coveney from getting more actively involved in this case. Simon can only act on what he's been told or advised by his senior advisors. So I don't blame him at all. They also say that they, that Simon Coveney only really became involved when Ulick McAvady, who's a well-known and, and, and experienced businessman, he got involved in Cal's Ireland and decided to join the board of the company. Ulick knows Simon since he was a young boy and has a very good relationship with him. And it's clear to me, and Ulick has told me, that Simon had confidence that everything was as it should have been. But it shouldn't have taken Ulick as a private sector individual to sway the minister to get involved. The Department of Foreign Affairs has made it clear that the department and diplomats were involved in this case from the very beginning, predating Yulik McAvady's joining the company. There's still a lot of frustration, I think, on the part of the Hallorans that the Irish government could have done much more, certainly early on. There's been a lot of talk about quiet diplomacy, and this is just my opinion, this is not Richard's opinion, but in my opinion, quiet diplomacy is what kept him there three years, not what got him home. Like, he should have not, under any circumstances, been left there for three years, you know, before they intervened. Coming up, how Richard O'Halloran fought for his freedom and won. Hold up. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Simon, this was obviously a very dark time for Richard. What did he say to you about how he started to turn things around after this? How did he pull himself back up and start to engage with the Chinese authorities in such a way that he hoped at the time might end up in his release? Well, he, he, it's a bit of a blur in his own description of it. Well, I just came to a realisation that I had Tara, the kids, and something happened to me that was... It was very serious. If something happened to him, it would be serious for his family. So he kind of puts it down to that and decided to turn things around and really recognise that he needed to work hard for himself and on his own to, to get back and to do all he could to help and cooperate with the court process in order to have this exit ban lifted. He describes the process of building trust. And so what he did was he disclosed everything and he was completely cooperative. He basically handed over everything to do with this plane and the company documents. Bells and whistles, he gave everything he said, um, and he listed it in, in a very clear way so that the Chinese could really see that he was being totally upfront. It was full disclosure here, and he was doing everything he could to help them understand the situation that he was in, what he could and couldn't do, but also the financials around this company, this plane, uh, and what he could do to help get the plane and the money back to the Chinese investors. So what were the, the days and weeks like in the lead up to his release? Well, the period running up to last Christmas, Christmas of 2021, he describes as a, as a whirlwind. It was working extremely hard, very long hours into the night to put together all this documentation for the Chinese. The Chinese authorities also wanted an independent audit, so that required work as well. So Richard was working frantically in the background to get all this paperwork together. There was a hope that he might get back for Christmas, but it wasn't to be. But it was still a very frenetic period leading up to the week before his release at the end of January. And it was all about getting that information in place. So any remaining concerns that the Chinese court and judge would have would be allayed by all this paperwork that and work that Richard was doing in the background. And there was what sounds like a very dramatic moment, like something out of a film almost, when a judge came to Richard's apartment on the eve of his release and asked for assurances and promises, really, that the Irish company he worked for would uphold their end of the deal on which his release was contingent. He needed to see into the eyes, into Richard's eyes to see that he really meant what he was going to do around the deal with this plane and the deal with the company and to really reassure the judge that he was going to do everything he could. Do you promise that you will do X, Y and Z? And I, sh I said to him, give me your hand. I'll shake your hand. My country, we shake hands and it means a lot. And I said, look me in the eye when you shake my hand. And uh, that's all recorded on the, the court statement. Now, at the end of all of this, how does Richard feel about how he was treated in China 
Did he feel he was treated unfairly by the authorities there? Do you get the impression he bears any ill will towards them? Well, this is one of the things that surprised me from our long interview. Uh, Despite preventing him from leaving the country for so long, he really bears no ill will towards the police, the courts, the Chinese system in general. He sees it as they were just doing their jobs. He describes them as fantastic, professional. He was, they were sympathetic to him and decent. Um, I think that's what's, what's unusual. I, I think he appreciates that the Chinese were going through an unusual situation even for them. He said the police and the courts told them that they'd never had a scenario where they had a foreign national who was being detained for the repatriation of money or an asset from abroad. And I think he recognised the pressure that the authorities were under. As I said earlier, if the judge agreed to something and Richard were to renege on it, which he said he's no intention of doing, then that judge would find himself in a very difficult situation in China. So I think Richard appreciated the Chinese system, as alien as it is to him and to uh, Irish business community, he appreciated that the system was different and they had to operate within that system. In a statement after Richard's release, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, said that this has been a difficult time for Mr O'Halloran and his family. The government has been actively engaged on the matter throughout and is delighted it has reached a successful result. The Minister wishes to acknowledge the recent cooperation of the Chinese Embassy in Ireland and of the Chinese authorities and to thank all those who have assisted in achieving this positive outcome. The Minister wishes Mr O'Halloran a happy reunion with his family. Simon, there has been some criticism of the government for thanking the Chinese authorities in this statement. Do Tara and Richard think that this was appropriate? Uh, No, they don't. Richard described the the minister thanking the Chinese as as bizarre. And Tara said it was very upsetting for, for his family and his mother in particular. She said they felt that that was unnecessary particularly when the Chinese were partly responsible for, for Richard being detained for so long. But I don't think the O'Hallorans or the family were the audience for that statement, certainly that part of the statement by by the government. And I think government and diplomats, they need to be worried about the next difficult case, the next Irish citizen who's caught up in a mess like this. So bearing in mind the Chinese, they're very assertive diplomatic uh, approach around the world. They're quite sensitive, they're thin-skinned to criticism. So I think the government needed to be aware of that and needed to be aware of future cases. Could they have said it differently in that statement? Yes, I think they could have maybe chosen different words, but I can see both sides on that on that point. We also need to be aware that China is a huge trading partner for Ireland and that will really complicate and dominate um, any dealings that the Irish government or Irish diplomats have with China. China is our fifth largest export market. That's 10 billion euro a year. The deference, I would use the word deference, that the Irish government, our diplomatic corps showed to the Chinese in relation to your case kind of stands in contrast to something that happened very recently with Russia. A very public statement made about just war sure. naval drills off the southwest coast. Mm. I, that that struck me, given that it happened at the same time mm. as your own return. That there was a contrast there. Where like, why haven't we been saying similar things like that in this case? How do you kind of ex- understand, try to understand that difference with regard to the Chinese that the government has shown in your case? Trade. Purely that. I think so. Trade. That China is so important for from an economic perspective. I mean, you'd have to think that it's certainly a lot more important than Russia. Manufacturing, trade exports, import, 
Uh, and I think that's the whole thing of fear of missing out. How do you think Richard and Tara feel at the end of all of this? Obviously, they're relieved to have him home, but are they angry about how things were handled? Did you get that impression from them? I think they are. I think they their frustration certainly came across when I spoke to them. Um, I, I was surprised at how um, Richard wasn't angry with more people. He, he does talk about his anger at certain people. He talks about his anger at Min Jidong, the chairman of the company, whose activities that predated his involvement in his com- this company, how they affected him. Um, and he is angry with uh, some of the advice that Simon Coveney had been given early on. And I think Tara is certainly angry at and frustrated at, at, at some of the, the, the ways that the government and the Department of Foreign Affairs dealt with this and the fact that she'd been kept in the dark for long periods um, when her husband was seriously ill and on death's door on, on one occasion. Just so unbelievably upset, like horrified that we didn't even warrant a phone call. Like it was just beyond belief that he had clinically died for two minutes. He was alone in another country. They were my only link to him, like basically. And we were getting nothing, no feedback, no information what hospital he was in. Mm. I, I just, I really began to lose it with the Department of Foreign Affairs at that stage because the communication had been so bad up to them, but it hadn't been necessary. And now it was necessary, and I was still not getting any communication from them. It's important to say as well, Richard, that Richard was effectively the one who got himself home. He was the one who negotiated with the judge. He was the one who really did, at the end of the day, you know, Simon Coveney did step in at the end. Absolutely. That's it. Um, We had to fight very hard for three years to get any sort of intervention. And I, I just don't want anyone ever to have to go through that again. They're also very reflective and they're, they're upbeat. And um, Richard described himself as an eternal optimist. And he has been through an awful lot. He talks um, very poignantly about really being at a very, very low point and being able to turn his life around. And for them, it's a very, it was, it was a, a personal struggle for them, but they've come through it. I think that's the thing that comes across from meeting them. It's so overwhelming to see uh, just how they feel about uh, what happened to them, but also that they've come through much stronger. Richard talks about it being character defining and experiencing a spiritual awakening while he was there and really recognizing, you know, companionship and the phenomenal work that his wife and his family and friends did for him. And he described that whole experience as very humbling. Simon, thanks very much for talking to us this morning. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks to Simon Carswell and thanks too to Richard and Tara O'Halloran. Today's podcast was produced by Declan Conlon. In the News will be back on Friday. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 